0: A reading from Matthew 3, 1-4 In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey talking about fast forwarding. Um, so the last time we saw John, he was a little yeah. baby. And now he's out uh, preaching and and uh, as a prophet, uh, um, quoting uh, Isaiah, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And I don't think we um, understand that completely. But here's, I, I want to just some of the things I wrote about it. Uh, John reenters the story dressed in clothes, made of camel's hair and with leather belt around his waist. Uh, John was a, uh, in a desert region away from Israel, the center of political and religious power. He had taken up the role of the great prophets of Israel by warning the people to repent. One meaning of the word Torah is path or God's way. The people had wandered away from God's right path, which is not just in that time, but it just happened time and time again, including with Moses in the desert. The people, uh, uh, we are like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. The people yearn for liberation from the Roman occupiers, but John was talking about a different kind of liberation that would lead to the way the moment of its arrival was imminent
1: yeah there's been there's been so much written and thought about of this phrase that john said prepare the way for the lord prepare the way of the lord uh, you know i I've, I've heard many people say that it's chiefly about um righting all the wrongs in society you know he talks about the mountains being made low and the valleys being raised up and that's really a call to like bring down the corrupt power structures and to raise up the marginalized. I've heard others say that it's it's um, it's primarily about preparing the way in us, in our hearts, for Christ to enter in. And I've heard all these arguments about which one it is. And I think <laughs> over all these years, I, my conclusion is, it's about both. You know, John the Baptist was called. Yes, he was calling out the corrupt power structures of the world. Yes, he was calling attention to the marginalized. And he was saying those valleys and mountains need to be adjusted in our own hearts and in our own souls, in our own minds, in our own lives for that way that you're writing about, for that path. Uh, And as we anticipate then the second coming of Christ now, I think the same thing can be true. You know, we are called to do the justice work out there in society to, um, go into the margins and help the poor as much as we possibly can, which we do a ton of here at Stanwich. And um, to have this personal, spiritual preparation uh, in our own lives as we anticipate Christ's imminent return. So the application is still there for both interpretations.
0: I'm kind of wondering uh, exactly what it looks like um, in terms of uh, living a Christian life. I mean, obviously it has many manifestations. Uh, I'm one, you're another, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. But I, I th- I'm sometimes troubled by, uh, the manifestation, um, it's almost separated out. And this has certainly happened, uh, in politics. It's separated out from the gospel it's not necessarily leaning on Christ, it's leaning on self, which mm-hmm. is a normal mistake. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we have a proclivity as, as creatures created by God to believe we're, we're, we are our own creator. And there's an enormous amount of goodness that we have to go out and express in the world by giving donations and by doing this and by doing uh, soup kitchens and on and on. I just wonder if, um, well, I I don't wonder about this. I I think that in our own time, we've become so distracted by all the things in the world that distract us that we've lost the story. And I I think that that's uh, troubling uh, when generations before us felt that this was the only story you see what I mean? Yeah, for sure.
1: It's interesting as, as a result of you know what philosophers called postmodernism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where there is no story, right? That's kind of sort of definition of postmodern, or your story is yours and mine is mine, and not, there's no meaning in anything. It's interesting in that vacuum. Then people <laughs> fill a whole bunch of stuff, um, and then when they do hear the gospel, at least this is my experience being a preacher, an evangelist. Something clicks, you know, we're seeing a lot of fruit lately with our evangelism efforts. It's like people are hearing something they've never heard before and the universe starts to make sense. Their (laughs) life starts to make sense. And so it's really exciting um, in a postmodern context to point people to the true story, the capital T true story, the gospel. Right. And watch them really situate their lives in it.
0: There are many stories, but there's only one the story. That's right.